You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Rachel was going to try to tell you this, but I was going to be like, no, we found the perfect pizza for you in Macon. It was called the Bad Hunter Pizza. (laughs) It was all veggies. (laughs) I'm sorry. We're brothers. Uh, brothers got to laugh. How are you? Brothers don't shake. Brothers got to hug. All right. Man, um, are Dallas and Amy here? How in the world am I supposed to speak after that? Bro, I'm like, like I'm just like fighting back tears again. Oh, man, so powerful. Um, so, so powerful. Just in case I need that. All right. Oh, Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for all you do, for being you. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for moving. Thank you for your physical Shekinah presence here this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us and everything you're going to do. Holy Spirit, take over my tongue. May the words that come out of my mouth be of you and from you. And just speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I wasn't planning on crying, y'all, so bear with me. Um, good to see so many amazing faces here today. Um, my buddy Matt over here, my buddy Brandon. Um, Brandon's a special guy. Uh, when I started, when the Lord started moving in me prophetically, He used Brandon uh, to speak to me and to give me some direction and to push me out and do some crazy stuff that I would never do again. Don't ever ask me. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Funny story. We were doing like some ministry stuff out in Villarica and. And I said something about, man, I used to lead worship a long time ago. And he goes, really? Why do you think you brought that up? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, you sure he's not telling you to lead worship now? <laughs> it only happened one time. It's not happened again. Dallas and Amy, your positions are good. Um, <laughs> so, but anyhow, Brandon was just instrumental in everything. And, buddy, I just say uh, thank you so much. I'm honored you're here and just love you dearly, buddy. So have a lot of fond, fond memories. So in uh, that, let me ask you guys a question. I'm going to propose a few things, a few thoughts. I'm going to try to get this out as quick as I can, but I am Southern, so I do talk slow, right? Y'all can relate. Everybody in here pretty much can relate, right? What would it look like if we operated and lived out of the light that we are? What would it look like in your home? What would it look like in your here at Resurgent, inside these walls? What would it look like? at your job? What would it look like in your business? What would it look like in your school? Have you ever thought about that? You know, we see a lot of things, I don't remember if it was Chris, I think it was Chris today, talking about like there's darkness out there and then there's, you know, all these other things. If you watch a lot of news, which I refuse to really do a whole lot of anymore, if you listen to certain positions theologically, it's a doom and gloom kind of thing. But yet, that's not what Jesus said. He said, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot 
be hidden. Do you know that? Everywhere you go, guess what? There you are. Everywhere you go, there you are. The kingdom of God is in you, proceeding and protruding through you by your faith, by your words, by your love, by your actions, by all these things that we do. There is not a room that you can go into. There's not a building that you can step foot in. There's not a land, a territory, a country, no matter how dark it may seem, when you, st- when you step foot into that, that light is not automatically there. You know why? Because you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Uh, one of my pastors years ago, he uh, I don't have the actual uh, study, but he had spoke this, and I trust him, so I'm going to regurgitate it, okay? That's all us preachers do is we just regurgitate information. You know, we take from one. It's all good. It's all kingdom, right? <clears throat> but scientists, I don't know how they do this and how they put these things together. It just boggles my mind. But scientists will tell you that you can go into the darkest place in the earth. We were up a couple years ago, I think, I don't remember if it was, it was 2019, I think. We took the boys up to uh, Athens, um, Tennessee to the underground sea. Anybody been up there? You go out there and you see those big trout, and you're like, man, I bet that thing's good. And then you start thinking, probably not. He's a little too big. Any fishermen know what I'm talking about, right? Like, anyhow, I thought I'd get a little more amens on that one. But, but anyhow, at one point we're down in this cave, and we're going, we're going down, and I forget how many hundreds of feet we're under, under the ground. But the guide said, hey, man, if you got cell phones, you've got to watch any sort of light, shut it off, put it in your pocket. So everybody does that, and then he says, well, I'm going to turn off my flashlight here in a second, and this will be the closest thing that you will ever experience to true pitch black dark. Cuts it off. You literally could not see your hand in front of your face. It was that dark. That was crazy, right? But yet, check this out. Science has actually proven that even in that darkest spot under the earth, that there is still elements of protons and atoms that are light. There is never, by science's proving, a place on this planet that there is not at least one molecule of light. So no matter where you go, there you are. You are light. You, there is a flame burning in every one of you. If you've said yes to Jesus, there is a flame, there is a fire that is burning in you. Come on, right? Right? How many of you guys, like genuinely, how many of you genuinely want your fire to burn bright? How many of you want to incinerate the environments that you step in so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven? I do. How beautiful is that? John 8, 12. This is beautiful. I got a bunch of little notes. I don't have them going, but... Uh, for the screen, so you just have to follow on. John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light. Craig's got the light on his phone right now. <laughs> like, literally, it just came on. It was just, I mean, I don't know, maybe it was Jesus, right? And then there was light, light be, all right? Uh, John 9, 5. As long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. I'm going to tell you all a secret. Jesus ain't leaving. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Jesus ain't leaving. 
You know why? Because he's in you. He's in you, and you are in him. You are hidden in Christ, and Christ is hidden in you. You have all of Father, all of Jesus, and all of Holy Spirit just burning in you, that all-consuming fire, right? And as long as you are breathing, he is on this earth breathing through you with you, as you, you as him. You can't separate you from him. Does that make sense? You guys, are y'all tracking with me? If you're ever in a spot where you're like, man, this is like, it's kind of shady. Y'all ever been, like I shared this last night at the SOK uh, resurgent gathering, but have y'all ever been in a spot to where you like, you feel the eyes looking at you, a restaurant, a home, a business, anything like that? And I'm not talking about the fun, googly eyes. I'm talking about the, <laughs> the other team's eyes. Anybody ever been that way, right? That intimidation. We used to go to a restaurant out in Hiram. I'm not going to mention the name, but we used to go out there, and every time we would go in there, literally, I felt like these eyes were coming out of the wall, and they were just like, and I'm like, what in the junk? I'm like, what are y'all doing? And I was, I was asking the Lord about because I was getting really, like, irritated. Anybody ever been that way before? You got really irritated with, like, my kids? Um, that's why they're not in here this time, by the way. If y'all were here last time, they it was like a whole heckle section. <sighs> why are y'all laughing? Y'all are remembering, right? Anyhow, but we, we would go in there several times, and, and we would have these, these eyes. I would feel them in the spirit actually looking at me, like, you know, just that. If you ever felt that, like, somebody's in the room or, like, you can feel the – like, I was feeling that. And I was getting irritated. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I've, I've – I think, understood my authority fairly well, at least for my maturity levels, of my authority in Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do here? And he said, ignore them. I said, What? I'm like, I have all authority. He goes, I know, but I want you to ignore them. I said, why? He said, because they're trying to intimidate you, and they're trying to provoke you. And I was like, oh. So by ignoring them, I'm ticking them off even more. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'll go your route. <laughs> right? Why? Resist the devil. Submit to God, and he will flee. Right? But why was I feeling those eyes on me and my family? Well, there for the other team, the system of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of light. Everywhere I go, I carry the kingdom. I step into a place, guess what? Light just showed up. Right? And so we would go in there, and we, we would disrupt that atmosphere. Let me tell you something. You are an atmosphere disruptor because you bring the power of the atmosphere of heaven because of the blood of Jesus everywhere you go. What would it look like if we start living that out, myself included? First, it comes from knowing that that is who you are, not what you are trying to be, not what one day in the by and by, glory, hallelujah, that you're going to be, but what you are now. Is that making sense, you guys? You gave me 30 minutes, bro, and I'm 10 minutes in, so. <laughs> give me five more. Who will give me five extra minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 30. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Totally. I stole that from Israel Campbell. He's out in California. All right. Um, do you know that your father is a father of lights? Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the 
father of lights. That's in James. Jesus already said, you are the light of the world, right? You are the city on a hill. I'm going to show you real quick. Can you cue up the video real quick? I'm going to show you guys how powerful and how bright you guys are. All right? It's got some sound, so I don't know. I want you guys to listen to this real quick. Cubic centimeter, the human body produces about 10,000 times more light than the surface of the sun. We're 10,000 times more efficient of releasing the light than it is in producing the light. We are stars. Why aren't you just like blinding me right now? Because you're taking all of that light and every proton as a black hole is turning it into a particle state. You have so much light energy and it's expressing <laughs> itself as particles right now, which make you look like a solid human being. You are a solar event in particle state. And you're here right now. Man. Anybody fired up? Right? I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. That guy is not a believer in Jesus. That guy is a new age guy. He goes on later in the video to talk about shamans and all this other stuff. And I just clipped that out because I'm like, nah, I'm not giving you that, that much of a platform. <laughs> Why do I bring that up? Because all creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. All creation is groaning for you as the light of the world to step into that place of being the light. Science, this also, by the way, if you've heard me say it once, you're going to hear me say it a million times. Science never is never um, out proving God. Science is always proving God. It's always catching up to God. This has been recently discovered, I mean, 10,000 times brighter than the sun. And you're 10,000 times more efficient at redistributing that light. I love that line, you are a solar. Forgot what the line was. <laughs> You're a solar event in, in human state. Why? Because you are the light of the world. Jesus said it 2,000 years ago, and he's just coming around to it. It's so beautiful. Man, let your light shine before men so that they may see, guess what, your good deeds. And then praise your Father in heaven. When you do a good deed, I don't care what that good deed is. I don't care how minute you may think it is or how grandiose you may think that is. When you do a good deed, you are letting your light shine before men and others see your good deeds. And even when they say thank you to you, they are praising your Father in heaven. Does that make sense? So when you, as, as we step into becoming the light and living that light, and we do these good things, leaving doors open, being nice in traffic, struggle with that one, um, right? Letting them over, you know, the guy that runs up. I was in Boston for a work trip. Oh, my God. You think we have bad drivers? Bro, I'm in a tunnel in a rental car. <laughs> and I'm literally, from me to Brandon, off the bumper of this one car, and this guy comes into a lane that's merging in a tunnel, and he is, nope, I'm getting over. I'm like, bless him, Lord. Actually, I didn't say that. Lord, forgive me that I didn't say that. I was like, man, if I was in my truck, I'd show him who's boss. <laughs> Just being human with you guys, okay? But how would it look is if we continue to do those good deeds? Nobody's going to be perfect at it, by the way. He already knew that. When he gifted you with all your gifts, 
He knew all of your insecurities. He knew all of your shortcomings. He knew all your failures, yet he still decided to put it in you. Why? Because he is a good, kind, loving Heavenly Father who wants others around you to experience him the way you have and then to take you into a deeper experience and a deeper encounter with him that you've never experienced before. Why? By being the light. The world needs you to be the light that you were created to be. He knows. Light dwells with him. He knows what lies in darkness, but yet light dwells with him. Daniel 2.22. Guess what? You dwell with him. You're light dwelling with God. And God is light dwelling in you. Right? So how do we do this? How do we, anybody, like, all right, how do we be the light more? Right? I'm going to get real raw and honest. Preaching to myself a little bit here, too. The way that we let our light shine is by going through the pressing, by going through the pressures of life. The pressure of the pressing creates the oil that lights our lamp. The pressure of the pressing creates the oil that lights our lamp. One of my favorite stories, parables, is Matthew 25. I actually brought my paper Bible. Pastor Chris, are you happy about that? Yeah. So, yeah. So, shuffle the page. Yeah. <laughs> Not the digital pages. Can I paraphrase the story for you guys? Is that okay? Instead of reading it slow at the time. Parable of the ten virgins, Matthew 25, 1 through, I think, 13. Yeah, 1 through 13. Jesus says this, at, the, at that time, he's speaking towards the, the end times, and, and I think we're always in the end times, by the way. I don't think, uh, anyhow. Um, <laughs> Rachel just said, stop. She's my Holy Spirit right now. <laughs> right? But he's saying, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, five of which were wise, five who were foolish. The virgins all were waiting on the bridegroom. All ten virgins were given a lamp with oil, with a wick. But the bridegroom was a long time in coming, so they all fell asleep, right? I'm not going to tell you to not fall asleep, by the way, (laughs) right? But then at midnight, they heard a knocking. The bridegroom's here, the bridegroom's here. Quickly, the five, all ten of them actually trimmed their wicks, turned, uh, turned their light on, right? But five, the foolish ones that didn't take any extra oil for their lamps, looked at the ones who had the oil, the wise ones. And they said, hey, give us some of your oil. And the five wise ones said, no, because if we give you our oil, we won't have enough. Go and buy your own oil. And so the five foolish ones leave, and and as they have gone to buy their oil, the bridegroom shows up. The five wise ones are able to go into the bedroom chambers with the bridegroom. The five foolish ones show up, knock on the door, and they say, hey, Lord, let us in. And the Lord says, who are you? I don't even know you. Right? I've heard some scary preaching off of that. Anybody else heard scary preaching off of that? Maybe some of us have even given a few scary preaching words from that one, right? Right? 
But the key in that whole thing is the oil. The key is the oil. In ancient times, and I'm assuming it's something similar now, just with better technology, of course, but the way that you produce both wine and oil is through a crushing process. It's through a press. I went online and I was like, you know, what does that old press look like? Right? Can you hit, you know, it doesn't matter which one. This is an old lever press right here. So what you have is you have that lever, you have a rock you know, on that far uh, right side, and then you have a bunch of baskets that are containing the olives. And then they would put weights on. If you look at the end, there's rocks, those are weights, and what would happen is they would just either push it down or let it just over time weigh itself down, crushing the olives in those baskets. When that olive is crushed, when it's squeezed, what comes out of the olive? Apple juice? Apple juice? No, oil. Right? I don't know if you guys can quite see it on this one, but there's a little slit in that big rock, and then right below it, there's a hole that's called the vat. Go to the next, the next one, please, Jerry. <clears throat> this is another one right here, a millstone. <laughs> right? I'm going to tie that millstone around your neck, throw you into the depths of the water. <laughs> this one's done a little differently. It's on that little corkscrew kind of thing, and I've seen some other pictures where they actually tie a, a donkey. Um, <laughs> Sometimes I, may, I am that donkey. <laughs> That's the politically correct way, right? Um, but anyhow, so that, that you would throw the olives in there, and then you would spin it around, and it would crush the olives, the juices coming out, and then the, 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 the walls would hold back all the fragments of the olives, but there's little slits in there that allow that olive oil to, to roll out. I mean, you all have ever felt like you're underneath the millstone. You know, the, the, the last, one last picture. This is another one as well. This one, oh, man. Kind of the same principle here. It's got that corkscrew and then the wood, and it still has the baskets. And the reason why I really like this picture is what's on that stone. It's the oil. It's the oil. How many of you guys want the anointing in your life? How many of you want that anointing to ooze? out of you. That when you touch somebody, they go, whoa, there's something different about you. When you pray for somebody, fire comes from your hands. How many of you want that? I want it. I want my light to shine. The only way your light's going to shine is if you go through the crushing See, the parable of this story, I'm going to probably be pretty quick. i got so many other verses. <sighs> the part of that crushing process, what is it exactly? John 16, these things I've spoken to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the word, the world. The interesting thing here, tribulation, how many of y'all like all of a sudden went to the Left Behind movies? <laughs> right? <sighs> Fear sells, I'm just going to tell you guys that, even in Christianity. But the word in the Greek is, I'm going to do my best to pronounce this, thalipsis. Okay, it's used 45 times, but here's the thing. The first definition of tribulation in the Greek, thipsis, is a pressing, a pressing. 
oppressing. Right? Oppressing together a pressure. That's the first one. Jesus isn't saying you're going to be like in, in tribulation like we saw and left behind. He's saying in this life you're going to have pressure. That pressure is a pressing. That pressing is a crushing. And the purpose of the pressing and the crushing is to produce an, uh, an oil inside of you, an anointing inside of you that oozes out of you, that peace that defies all understanding. That when you're around non-believers and they know the hell you're going through, they look over at you and say, man, there's something different about you. What is it? I know your boy is sick, but, man, you're walking in good, like joy. How are you having that joy? Man, you may not be feeling it, but you're exuding it. Why? Because of the oil that is in you. Does that make sense, you guys? It only comes through the crushing. In, in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul opens up, and he is talking about that very thing that they are going through in prison. And he goes through this long thing. I won't read it, but it's, it's, one, it's uh, 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 10. And he's going through all of this stuff about his hope and all these other things. And he's like, we didn't even care if he's going to put us to death. Speaking of, of the Roman soldiers, he said, because we figured God would raise us from the dead. <laughs> Guess what, bro? It's really hard to kill a dead man. And this is appointed unto man once to die. And if you were co-crucified with Christ, and it's no longer you that live, but him that lives in you, guess what? You already dead. Yet you're fully alive in him. You're never going to taste death as the world tastes it. Does that make sense? Paul, facing certain death, was like, I don't care what my circumstances look like. Yeah, it's pressure. Yeah, it's pressing. But guess what? My God will. My God is. My God has told me. He has provided for me. He has given me these words. I don't care. They may kill me. God's going to raise me from the dead. It comes from that pressing. It comes from that, that crushing that you go through. Consider it. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. One of the things about the, the pressing process is producing a faith in you that will not run dry. It is producing a faith in you that will not run dry. It's a purification process. What's in you, right? What's the difference in pruning and purification? Have you ever thought about that? What's that difference? With how many messages have we heard? And I grew up in a culture that wasn't very positive. <laughs> Some church wounds. It was always doom and gloom, and if something was going on bad in your life, well, Lord, there, God, buddy, there must be sin in your life. Did you pray enough today? Did you have your 15 minutes with Jesus? Right? And is, is, I'm not the only one, am I? You want to talk about oppressive? Man, he is in me. My sins have all been forgiven 2,000 years ago. You know how I know that all my sins throughout the remainder of my life have already been forgiven? Because when he forgave them, it was 2,000 years ago. I wasn't even, a, a, I wasn't even around. 
for him, like it's all been forgiven. Doesn't it doesn't give us a license of sin, by the way. We have a holy and righteous life. My point is, like those the, the pressing isn't because you've done something bad. The pressing is because God wants you to know who you are at a higher level. So that you can declare with your mouth the authority that Jesus has given you to declare. Is that making sense, you guys? How do you do that in the pressing, in, the, in, that, in that purification process? See, that purification process typically is stuff going on on the inside of you. It's stuff going on on the inside of you. It could be your feelings, it could be thoughts, fill in the blank, but it's stuff internally most of the time. What is it doing? God's like, hey, you want more fire? I need that oil to be a little more pure. We're going to rise up some of those impurities, but we're going to take them off the top. How you think about yourself that you're less than, you're not. Let me take that away. How you think that you got to do more to make me love you? Nope. That you messed up and that's why you're going through this stuff? No, baby. That's not, let me take that out. The pressing you're going through many times is a purification so that your light might shine brighter. The other piece of it is a pruning process, right? Pruning process, in my opinion, is typically when outside things, relationships, businesses, friends, acquaintances, you know, alliances, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, snip, gone. Many times it takes you off guard. Sometimes you may see it coming, but then like a Band-Aid over a wound, it rips off, and it's like, oh, and it hurts. We've all been pruned of relationships in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Best friends, I'll be there for you in my wedding. Betrayal, stabbing me in the back, leaving me on the roadside dead. Not a fun time. That was a pruning. Pruning doesn't feel good, right? How many of us have lost friends that way? Relationships, businesses, things that were on your heart. But here's the thing, I want you to know that when you prune a rose bush, it blossoms out even better. It strengthens you. Even the most beautiful rose bushes, the Lord still will prune. Because he knows the glory that is in you. Because it is Christ in you the hope of glory. And he wants you to experience that hope even more. In this parable of the, of the ten virgins, here's the thing about it. Y'all want to let your light shine? Anybody? You want it to shine brighter? Right? You want to understand what you're going through sometimes when that junk is around? The thoughts, the feelings? It's an opportunity to receive an upgrade in the anointing that is already in you. It's a realization. It's you getting out of your way, renewing your mind so that you can continue to have the pure thoughts of Christ that are in you because you have the mind of Christ. You have the ability to conceive the unconceivable because he that has the mysteries will speak the mysteries to you, right? But here's the thing. Ten total virgins in this story. Jesus is speaking to the church. Five foolish Five wise, all of them got oil at the beginning. 
Anytime we can all go back to that moment, we said yes to Jesus and woohoo, right? Maybe that happens for a couple months or years or whatever, but something happens, right? Life hits you, right? Pressure. Some of us, I've been super guilty of this. Retreat, oh God. Way more than I'd like to admit. But what Jesus is saying here is there's going to be wise members of my body, my bride, and there's going to be foolish ones. The only way to refill your lamp with oil is to go through the crushing process, to go through that pressure with joy. It doesn't mean you're happy, right? But sometimes you got to tap into that joy that's in you, which is the hope of glory. You know that you were the joy that was set before him? That's why he endured the cross, scorning it, shame, to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God so that you could sit right there next to him on the throne of David. You are his joy. So when you fill your lamp, right? Y'all want to know what your lamp is metaphorically? Check this out. The lamp in this story is your body, your physical body. The more you allow the Lord to walk you through the process of that crushing through that pressure with your kids, with your marriage, with your business, with your theology, with your eschatology, with all of those things, the more you allow him to crush you in that and be like, you really, well, let's go here. Let's think about this over here. Have you ever considered this? And you're going through that crushing process. You're filling your lamp up with oil, Right? That oil is the anointing of Holy Spirit, right? There's a wick. Everybody knows what a wick is, right? Like some of you millennials, you know what a wick is. Okay, just, just checking, right? It's that piece of fabric that goes in there that what? You trim it. You light it. You take a lighter, a match, you go through it. I don't know how they did that old school. Like, I don't know. How do ten virgins, like, light up? I don't know. Anyhow. Um, but, but the wick, anybody know what the wick is? The wick in this metaphor is your lifespan, the time that you are here on this earth. Because all of us have a certain time frame that we're going to be here. And if we're going to be the light of the world, that city on a hill, then we should welcome with joy that process of the pressing to fill our lamp with oil so that we can saturate our life with the anointing of Holy Spirit. So that you know that you know that you know that no matter how dark that room is, that when you step foot in it, the light has just shown up. Darkness flees. Because it cannot stand in the presence of the light. It's the anointing. Here's the other piece about that anointing. How many of y'all want to really get to know Jesus? How many of you want to know him? Anybody? How many of y'all want to be intimate with Jesus? The best way to do that is by lighting your wick. Why? The virgins go into the bridegroom, into his chambers. I'm at, it's at midnight. It says it's at midnight. It's pretty dark. Right? We all know what goes on in a bridegroom's chambers after the wedding, or do we need to have a birds and bees talk? (laughs) 
they go in, the five wise ones are having intimacy with the bridegroom. That room is dark, yet they have a light right here from their lamp. And as that lamp is there, Jesus comes in and he just smiles. And because of that light, you can see the gaze in his eyes. You see the dimple in his smile as he looks at you and says, you are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. That word know there, some of the translations is to know intimately and sexually like a husband knows a wife. What he is saying there to the ones that did not have the oil isn't that I don't know you get away from me. It's that I never experienced intimacy with you because you chose not to fill your lamp with oil. You had to go and buy that stuff, right? One of the most precious things that you have in your walk is your oil, is your anointing. Don't sell your anointing. Don't shortchange your anointing either. The things you're going through that are producing that, that's your story. It's your victory. Is that making sense, you guys? I had a dream many years ago. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of it. The Lord actually gave me a revelation on this, I think, last night. But in this dream, I was, uh, I was at my granny and papa's old house. I was in a truck, and I was listening to a cassette tape of my granny. Anybody know? Y'all know what a cassette tape is, by the way? Right? Anybody? Okay, maybe. Eight tracks. Okay, eight tracks. Okay. Um, <laughs> vinyl records. Anyhow, um, so I'm listening to this cassette tape of my granny, and then I'm sitting there in, my, in the truck out by the road, and I thought, you know what? Pawpaw's not home yet. That was my, my, my grandfather. Pawpaw's not home yet. I'm going to go ahead and pull in front of the garage because I won't block him in. And I pull up, park in front of the garage, and I'm like, I'm going to listen to granny say one more thing. Now, at the time that I had my dream, my granny had passed away about 10 years prior to that, and I was her first uh, grandson, and so I was the perfect one. If you ever see my brother, let him know that. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm going to listen to one more thing my granny says. And then on the cassette tape, while I was sitting in that truck, I hear my granny say, I've never seen bought grace purchase very much. Oh, man, that's good. Cut the truck off. I go inside. I see my granny. She was five foot nothing. She always had that, that uh, house coat that was white with flowers on it and had like three holes in the armpits. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That was my granny. I went up to her. I said, hey, granny. Because I haven't seen her in 10 years. It was her. I lay some things out on the table, some receipts and stuff, my wallet, all those things. I'm laying them down on the table. And I, as I'm giving her that hug, I said, man, Granny, the Lord's given me some zingers before. But that one about bought grace, never purchased them very much. Man, that was good. She goes, oh, honey, thank you, in her voice. Says, if you like that one, you're going to love this. And she reaches up into a, like a cupboard, pulls out this black envelope, like a legal envelope full of notes. Bible studies, revelation. She goes, you're going to love this. And right into me. Bought grace never purchases very much. Bought anointing will never 
produce the light, the fire in you the way you want it to. You have to embrace those things that you're going through. Remember that in that crushing, you're going to be confined in him. Part of that basket, the, 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 the confining of that basket is him hiding you in him. In that process of the crushing. Does that make sense, you guys? I know this is heavy. It feels heavy to me, at least up here. But the, the purpose of that is to prepare you for as you go, there you are, being the light so that your fire can burn, not only in you, but out of you. You will attract people. I used to play professional poker, believe it or not. It was on a semi-professional level, okay? All right? Some of my old Baptist people thought I was going to hell. I'm like, it paid the bills. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. I'm righteous. I'm going to get my money. Come on, somebody. Proverbs. Anyhow. Is it in the Bible or is it in the Bible? I'm just saying. Shondai Holy Ghost, right? I'm moving on, Rachel. Thank you. I thought the hecklers were gone. <laughs> but in that process, one of the things I did is, is I asked the Lord, one of my prayers almost every single time, especially early on, was, Lord, let my light shine. Let my light shine so they may see my good deeds and praise you in heaven. Because I knew the darkness that I was stepping into, but I also knew that I was a light. Not that I was, that I am always, 24-7, 365, until I take my last breath on this earth. I am the light. I'm burning 10,000 times more efficient than the surface of the sun. And my whole goal was to love those people that the church rejected. So I saturated my life. I went through the pressing. I allowed that anointing to fill my life. And then I would hear on various times, you're not like most Christians, are you? Nope. I like you. I mean, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is. You really want to know? Sure. It's Jesus. Yeah, maybe. I'm like, you're the one that said I was different. You're the one that said I'm not like most Christians. So many seeds were deposited in that. I had a young man. His name's Phil. He's down in Florida now. In that process, he was one of those that's, man, there's something different about you. The Lord started taking him through some crazy experiences and stuff. We got together one day, and I had, I had sunglasses on my face. It's just one quick example. And I'm looking, and we're outside. The sun's not behind me, or it's, you know, it's actually kind of blinding me. But he's facing. I'd position myself where it wasn't in his face. And then I had my sunglasses on. I literally took them off and put them on my head like that. And he goes, dude, that's weird. I said, why is that? He said, because right before you did that, I thought, man, I wish he'd take his glasses off so that I could see his eyes. That anointing tunes you in to Holy Spirit. Because it's the fire of Holy Spirit that burns in you. Long story short, Easter that year led him to Jesus. Never condemned him. Smoked a bunch of pot. Did a whole lot of other things that I'm not in alignment with. But he said yes to Jesus. He's still figuring out some things. But let me tell you what. I let my light shine. I want you to let your light shine. What would it look like if we embrace that? If we say, you know what, I'm not going to run from the crushing. I'm going to step into it knowing, in joy, that this is what he has for me to build me up so that I can be the light of the world. So that when I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. 
when I walk in a room, I don't even have to say anything to the stupid demons. They actually get up and leave because of my authority and my presence that I know is in me. Does that make sense, you guys? What would it look like as a body? And we're doing a great job at that, by the way. This isn't a condemning thing. But what would it look like if we step into an upgrade of this? Because the kingdom is all about upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. There's never lack in the kingdom, and there's never waste in the kingdom. Let me say that again. There's never lack in the kingdom, and there's never waste in the kingdom. The things that you thought were wasted are not wasted. They're seeds waiting to be harvested. And the more we press into these things, the more we allow that oil to saturate our lives, let me tell you what, your light's going to burn so bright that hell will be, it's already scared of you, but they're going to have an upgrade in fear over you. Today, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One leads to understanding. My recommendation on this is to recognize this, that that fear of the Lord isn't being scared of daddy. It's being in awe of him. That he is who he says he is. That he's going to do what he said he's going to do. That the promises of him are yes and amen. That there's nothing impossible with him. Right? That leads to wisdom. (laughs) Lady wisdom. She's all through Proverbs. And then knowledge of the Holy One leads to understanding. That Hebrew word for knowledge of the Holy One is just like Adam knew Eve and bore a son. Fear of the Lord, that awe of Daddy, that He is who He is, that He's the promises are still yes. The promises are still yes. The promises are still yes. And amen, your amen is receiving that anointing, is stepping into that, that crushing of daddy, doing this because he loves you, because there's more for you, and he is raising you to a higher standard. Because of higher, higher levels, more God. Higher levels, more God. The highest part of hell is still beneath the lowest part of you. I just felt like I needed to throw that out there to you guys. It's not higher, higher levels, higher devils. It's higher levels, more God. Because the enemy's been defeated. He's been disarmed. He ain't got no feet. He ain't got no arms. <laughs> He's fighting a defensive battle while we're on the offensive. Why? Because the kingdom of God is always expanding. Come on. But that intimate knowledge of the Holy One, Jesus leads to understanding. Understanding is discernment, discretion, and revelation. You want more revelation? Get you some more knowledge of Jesus, more intimacy with him, more intimacy with Holy Spirit. A couple practical steps, and I'm going to wrap it up. Oh, I'm so sorry. I went way longer. Pray in your prayer language. Pray in your prayer language. That right there was one of the things the Lord did with me where I would start seeing visions, getting words, knowing things. That group, because it's tuning your spirit to Holy Spirit so that you can hear Holy Spirit speak. So that when your light needs to be trimmed, when that light needs to be cut on, it's easily cut on. So that you can speak the truth, that fire, that all-consuming fire of his love for someone. Worship, 
community, and then regular praying, of course, and reading scripture. That's how we fill our lamp. Embrace that process, the joy. I want to do this real quick. How many of you feel like you could use an upgrade in the oil? Let me see a stand. Let me see a show of hands. Do me a favor. If you want an upgrade in the oil, stand up. your hands out. Holy Spirit, pour out your oil in Jesus' name. Say this after me, Lord, I embrace the pressure. I embrace the crushing. Fill me, Lord, with a new oil. Fill me, Lord, with your anointing that my fire burn ever brighter so that I may be the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to burn in me so that I might be the light of the world. Man, such a sweet presence right now. Holy Spirit, bring your fire. Fire, fire, fire. You filled them up, Lord. Now light their fire in Jesus' name. 